0: Welcome to the CSLP podcast, where we're helping to educate, inform, and assist financial professionals and student loan borrowers to make smarter repayment decisions.
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to the CSLP podcast. Heather and Jantz here today. Uh, we have Chris. Chris, thanks for joining us. Tell us tell us a little bit about uh, your practice, where you work, and and yourself.
0: Uh, my name is Chris Robinson. I'm a financial advisor within the Wheat Financial Group, which is uh, under the umbrella of Northwestern Mutual in Central Illinois. Uh, we have a large medical community in our area and large engineering community in our area, so we mainly service uh, financial planning surrounding those general. Those general demographics and careers and life journeys. And uh, so, due to that, we had been following up with a lot of our clients over the years trying to plan surrounding student loans and we were unable to really know where we were sending them or who to send them to or what advice to give them. And uh, we were always told that we do not do student loan advising. Um, so, what we decided to do was look on our own and found the CSLP, uh, pursued that with everything we had to maybe be able to help solve the problems of many of the individuals who are current clients, future clients, um, residents, fellows, medical students, as we have a local medical school. And that really led us down a journey that has led to us becoming one of, you know, the only ones who sort of have a a grasp on these things and the ability to help others who would otherwise feel overwhelmed with, you know, half a million dollars of debt, you know, student loan debt when they graduate, things like that.
2: That's fantastic. I love to hear that sort of story because, you know, as you know, Chris, I've, I, um, you know, really believe that that everyone should be able to access higher education and afford higher education, uh, even if they aren't born into wealth. And, and I know from my personal experience, and I, and I um, suppose you may as well that uh, many many people who who do achieve uh, a lot of education end up graduating with, you know very significant debt burdens that can be really tricky to navigate. Um, and so um, I'm just delighted to hear that you sought out this information so that you would be better prepared to uh, to help your clients uh, navigate this uh, student loan system.
0: Well, something unique we found was is that it was obviously on the national stage with debates and individuals talking, very high-powered political individuals talking about student loans, forgiveness, all kinds of things. And so we decided to kind of put the feelers out and offer it just upfront. Just offer it, hey, if you meet with us, you know, we'll just take a look at it. No obligation, just to see if who would, uh, who might benefit from this type of a planning. And as it turns out, mm-hmm. everyone. So, so and the number is vast. <laughs> everyone has student loans. It seems. like.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I mean, I've been, you know, I started getting interested in student loans way before most people did, um, just because, you know back in the day, it used to only be, you know, a few poor kids who managed to get all the way to like a graduate or professional program who could even possibly have a lot of student loan debt. Um, But I have, you know, seen over the years as the universe has just expanded further and further to now where, you know, um, the overwhelming majority of undergraduates borrow and and many people borrow up to the maximum uh, allowed under federal for federal loans and get private loans as well. And then you know, forget about graduate or professional school without, you know, mortgage sized debt, even if you're not poor, if you come from a, uh, any kind of family that is not, you know, very, very affluent, um, you're going to have uh, at least some, if not a whole lot of debt coming out of a graduate or professional context.
0: Yeah, most of us parents with young kids are all planning for our kids to go to college, but not planning for an extra fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a year for medical school or right, law school.
2: Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, it, Chris, in your area, you know, before
1: you guys sort of took this this niche on and 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 um, bore bore the the, the brunt of, of of having to to help all these people with this student debt problem. Where do you where do you think they were getting their advice before? Or were they getting advice? What do you think was happening in in your guys's demographic prior to you guys saying we want to help you with this? I hate to say the, the honest <laughs>
0: answer is Google. But um you know, uh in reality it seems as if everyone has their own perception of debt and what it is. And some people have this terribly negative perception of debt and not seeing it as a tool to achieve, you know, something but as a uh, more in a a situation in which they would, you know, have an encumbrance upon them that they, you know, have to get somewhere because they feel obliged to go to college, even though it may not be their biggest option. And so it feels as if the individuals were just maybe mm-hmm. listening to what they were taught growing up or church or maybe that they learned from their friends or work. You know, water, money is a good water cooler talk a lot of times. So um, a lot of people learn from each other come up with new ideas. So we get referrals from water cooler types of conversations sometimes.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I find, you know, uh, many families don't discuss money very uh, openly within the context of of uh, family conversations or to the extent that they do. They may not have, you know, all the knowledge necessary to give good advice. And, and even among, you know, uh, parent or grandparent uh, generations who may... Have knowledge about debt. Their their knowledge may be um, limited to that sort of um, negative, fear based response. That like, okay, debt is bad, and and expensive, and and people who owe money should be ashamed of that. You know, and I, 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 there's a lot of. Um, Emotion involved in it, Um, and then you get these complicated um, income-driven repayment options with forgiveness provisions associated that that really require people to think, you know, somewhat counterintuitively, or be willing to consider strategies that are not in uh, uh, lockstep with what they thought they knew about um, debt and borrowing.
0: Yeah, negative amortization isn't exactly uh, something that is, you know. Pushed by anyone.
2: Right, right. Now, I know what negative amortization means, Chris, but could you um, give us a brief definition for our listeners?
0: Absolutely. So typically in a situation in which you have a debt, which is just based on a principal amount in which you have an interest rate associated with it, if you pay less than even on a monthly basis, the accrued interest, then the interest will then further accrue and add on an increase over time. And that will cause your overall debt to actually increase over time, despite the fact that you are making payments.
2: Ouch. That sounds like something um, that no wonder people are scared of. Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: Even if you don't default or in forbearance or something, there are options out there in which people struggle to accept entering that type of estate, despite the fact that there is a plan in place in order to even have forgiveness or something at the end of the line. Yeah.
2: One of the practices that I use uh, in counseling borrowers is to, uh, one of the facts that I note for their their information as we're orienting them to their act, to their circumstances, because as I'm sure you're aware, Chris, people don't really know exactly what's going on with their own loans and their own debt. Um, but I, I like to let people know what their monthly accruing interest is, just so that they get a sense of, you know, what we're talking about when we discuss different payment options, for example. Um, like I just got off the phone with a borrower who had, you know, r- quite reasonable amount of debt at a quite reasonable interest rate, considering um, that he's a medical doctor. And but yet, you know, he had seven hundred and twenty five dollars of interest accruing per month on his balance. Um, and when you when someone realizes that hey you know you could pay 750 a month in order to tread water and continue owing the same amount you owe now forever you know that you don't actually make any dent on your principal balance um you know that i think very quickly puts puts things into a realistic perspective for people but then you have to navigate a very fine line because you don't want to be depressing and without hope because there are great options for managing it, and um, but it, you do have to sort of steel yourself for the reality.
0: Yes, ma'am. You have to change the perception on what it is.
1: Yeah, it's and in, it's interesting too when you said that, you know most of the people you thought in your area were getting their information from Google searches. Well, uh, it, it's funny because you know i i have a, a doctor client that recently had said to me you know uh, he was complaining about one of the clients he said and you know the clients come in and ask for certain things as if they self-diagnose themselves and he says i just he's like i wish they i wish they would not confuse their google mm-hmm. search with my medical degree right um and, and and it's and it's kind of the same thing that we're talking about with regards to to student loan advice that we're giving you know when you do this google search you, you get all kinds of information that's out there a lot of it is misinformation uh, you know forums where people misinterpret things. So there's a lot of bad information that goes out there with the Google search versus going to someone that has training and knowledge and education, incorporating that into your financial plan. Um, and, and, and you know, when you look at all the Google search and everything that exists on on the internet, you know, most of that is all funded and financed by ding, private finance dollars. Yes. So whether you're going to something yes. that is Right. So something that, you know, you may be looking at saying, oh, well, this is inf- purely informational. Um, just because you qualify for a private refinance doesn't mean it's a good idea to do it. Right. Uh, so when people go that route and that's where they're finding their information, of course, they're going to be more likely to to be persuaded to do a private refinance than other options that may provide them more value to their overall finances.
0: Yeah, I've, I've found that uh, some individuals will find books and read a book and it will give them some instructions. And then what will end up happening is that they will come to me with sort of an a la carte type of a plan where this book explained what everything was and, and said, if you're like this, you should do this. And I'm like, well, I've done over 100 analyses and I can tell mm-hmm. you right now, very rarely two are the same. So I don't care if you're a doctor and this person's a doctor, it's not going to match up exactly. And you may actually make a big mistake by doing what they did in their situation.
2: That is so true. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why when we built the educational content, you know, for the CSLP, that we, we wanted to do um, some, you know, teaching of the rules so that everyone would be able to analyze the circumstances of an individual client because everyone's situation is different, as you say, Chris. And then when you try to apply the rules to a, a given set of circumstances, only then can you start to see, how just many thousands of of variables and and options can can flow from a given set of circumstances in the context of these student loan rules
0: yes ma'am yes ma'am i find it interesting as well oh go ahead
1: oh sorry no go ahead chris
0: i find it interesting that when we're putting these plans together if i if i offer and two options of sorts, you know, and I or I compare and contrast two different options for them. And I'll explain why one is good and why one might seem better than the other, like right now, but in like 18 months, mm-hmm. it's not going to be okay, you know, and I do not want to plan on them leaning on a loan servicer and depending upon things like that, the middleman who we don't know who we're going to get on the phone when we call or how familiar they are going to be with what we're trying to do or what our plan is. You know, it's so much easier to just set it up and have it fully integrated so everybody knows what's going on. Whether one might look good today, the other one will look good for a much
1: longer period of time, mm-hmm. the
0: full perpetual mm-hmm.
1: period. And, and I think it's one of the inherent problems that exist in this, you know, student loan world is, is that, you know, as financial advisors, especially those that have the CSLP and have the training and education to be able to incorporate that into the financial plan, we sort of have a a core capabilities to discuss Other aspects of the financial plan that are going to affect the student loan repayment and vice versa. Whereas when someone calls into their federal loan servicer, you know they they don't have a background in tax or financial planning. Um, You know they are dealing strictly with student loans in a silo um, and and can't really provide that comprehensive advice that can shift the the value propositions of different repayment options.
0: And they really have no business providing advice. These individuals on the other end of the phone, whatsoever. So.
2: Right, I mean, and their job is to collect the debt, not to advise Absolutely. the borrower and but then the poor borrowers are left with you know it used to be nowhere to turn, but now they can turn to you, Chris yes, ma'am.
0: I have some friends who went to <laughs> medical school at Harvard and residency at mit uh no, I'm sorry, Johns Hopkins. And uh, you know, when I first met with them, we were talking about their loans. The story they told me was, when they got to Harvard, they were so excited. You know, they would do anything. You know, their whole life to go to Harvard Medical School. And so people were lined up the door to help them find ways to borrow money to be mm-hmm. able to attend Harvard Medical School. But on the last day, you know, they're like, "Here's your cap, here's your gown, you know, your your uh, shawl to drape over over all. Here's your colors, and um, and then, okay, bye." Right. And they're like, "No, there was no one there to help them." figure out what to do with it.
2: Right and and in and, and they're try, they're very busy doing their, you know, additional clinical training and yes, you know that like the idea of that you're going to go home and, you know, become an expert and spend the decade, you know, it takes to read the higher education act and all the its amendments as well as the regulations and the dear colleague letters and the, you know, everything else. I mean, it, it keeps plenty of us working full-time just to understand this stuff so yes, yeah absolutely when you were going through the material and and learning about student loans did you um did you find it difficult to to grasp or what what did you what did you notice about the material itself
0: well i I realized that I needed to listen to it multiple times because the devil's in the details with this mm-hmm. and then I made sure to move ahead and uh, kind of cheated and did the cases earlier yeah. Uh, so I had no idea what I was looking at when you we were doing the cases, for example. But then when I went back and learned the details, I saw how they applied because yep. I, I need to be able to apply this. So if I only see how it's applied at the end, then I my mind may not be in the right place all right. along. And I can't em- envision how it would be.
2: Well, that's a smart way to do it. That makes me think maybe uh, ways we could enhance it further by doing, you know, maybe a more basic case study to at least give a, some context for the learning at the beginning. I think that's very insightful because when, you know, if you're just learning rules and you don't know how they apply or in what context, it's much harder to, to retain that information.
0: Yeah, imagine, uh, for example, we can just use a physician, you know, in medical school, you go and you see the patient, and then you'll come back out, you'll present to an attending physician, and then they teach you about, you know, maybe what you did wrong, or what you didn't do, or what you didn't see, or something like that. So you learn the more, you had a basis understanding, but you didn't really learn about that thing until after you went in and saw it, maybe, maybe you made a mistake or two in the training phase, so you don't make mistakes
2: in the practice phase. Right, right, excellent. Yeah.
1: Well, well Chris what uh, impact has the the designation the training uh, really had in your practice how how have you applied it in your practice and how have you guys use it within your firm
0: okay so we use it as sort of the the doorway um we typically give lectures for multiple different residency programs at the medical school um, out of state other uh, institutions medical institutions and that specifically because that's the you know higher debt loads that they're taking on and we ended up leading with it so It has allowed us to get in and do many more talks and get in front of many more individuals who, despite the fact that it's great to have a growing business, they really Mm -hmm. need our help. And by helping them here, Mm -hmm. it's no longer they can no longer see the forest for the trees. We just remove the trees and say they're right here and they're just going along with us all the way and they can see a future and plan for a future um, where they might want to be. Because on the average, When you ask an individual before you even educate them on any of this, what they want to do, they say, boy, I want to graduate. I'm going to get rid of my loans as fast as possible, pay it down, live like I'm a hobo. And,
2: you know, we're like, no, you don't have to do that hmm. Oh. Right. That is that is so, so common. Everybody's like, I just I want to pay it off within five years. And you're like, OK, do you know what the A, do you know what that would take? Do you, uh-huh. do you, wreck, do you realize how much you'd be paying each month in order to pay it off in five years? And B, yeah. do you realize that, you know, that might cause you to pay a lot more over time, actually, mm-hmm. than, you know, this other path?
0: Especially compounding interest with saving. So, you know, if they don't save anything yeah. for that period of time, then, the, yeah, I'm debt free for government insured loans but i have no savings so. right and
2: then they have no you know if they have no savings no opportunity to like buy into a practice absolutely you no know, that kind of thing yeah
0: those are dwindling but you know those opportunities are dwindling but
2: yeah well all of us are really feeling the pinch lately aren't we yes, ma'am. some yes, people ma'am. more than others but it is a difficult time which you know makes it all that much more important that people understand the flexibilities that are attendant to federal student loans i mean they're one of the few kinds of debts that that you can do something about, you know, your required monthly payment, for example, if your income goes down.
0: Mm -hmm. Sometimes I try Mm -hmm. to, I try to change someone's perception and try to treat it as more of an asset. I said, this is something you're holding onto, which contains its own death and disability insurance protections. It contains its tragedy. You know, you can pop into forbearance, you know, you don't have to go crazy negotiating with anyone on like a private lender. Um, It's something that was a tool that you use for a long time, just like a farmer buys a combine, just because he uses it doesn't mean it's not worth anything. And that eventually, you know, he may end up able, able to sell it at some point for, you know, for some of the value back.
2: Yeah, I but, think that's uh, a very good way to talk about it. And that, you know, reminds me of another thing that I want to expand in our curriculum is, is, you know, maybe some sessions about about how to talk to people about their loans because of the, you know, common perceptions and misconceptions that we, that we see among borrowers. And one of the things I've been thinking a lot lately is this uh, sense of shame that many borrowers have that, that, you know, they've somehow been taught by society. I don't know if what, if what aspect has to do with religion or what else, but people oftentimes, you know, are very embarrassed. Uh, and, And I've been surprised by how many thousands of times at this point borrowers have said to me oh my god i owe so much money and they this is their way of preparing me you know to see their balance and then when i do i'm like you know i mean nothing surprises me um well not nothing i mean i guess the highest student loan balance i've personally ever seen was eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars this was an orthodontist um have you ever seen one that high yet chris
0: uh, at graduation or was had this person graduated a while ago in the interest with capillary
2: they had graduated but not too long ago but it had been you know, three or four no, years mine was five
0: fifteen, and it was a uh, caribbean medical school graduate
2: aye, yeah. aye, aye. Oh, Caribbean medical. School. how about you jance what's your why
1: i had a a, a family so a, a, a husband and wife and he was a physician and she was a veterinarian and she went to the caribbean veterinarian school um and between the two of mm-hmm. them, they had one point two five million oh. between the two of them yeah <laughs> uh, it was oh a,
2: my God, it was um, an interesting
1: conversation with with those two it
2: was a revised pay as you earn conversation, oh, wow. I'm guessing,
1: yeah, this was actually pre revised pay as you earn when when i I met them um but it it's it oh was, wow, it was a very interesting conversation, particularly because he was finishing um his fellowship. Uh, uh-huh. She was working, and and um, she ha- had indicated that she no longer wanted to work on um, the call, and he was not happy with that. And it, it, you know, there were there were other conversations outside of the student debt um, that uh, that that devolved on that on that conversation. With so us let's too. schedule a follow up right now.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, well, there there definitely is a marriage counseling you know aspect uh-huh. to working with. I'm sure all financial planning clients, but but student loan borrowers, you know, in particular as well.
0: I worry sometimes about the spouse who doesn't have the student loans and mm-hmm. they maybe are the one in charge of the money. And then the other one who does have the student loans and and typically the one that with the student loans, maybe a first generation college graduate going into mm-hmm. something that's more difficult. Say recently I had a young lady, she's studying for NCLEX to be a nurse and that's amazing. But, you know, she has student loans, her husband does not. And mm-hmm. her husband is driving this point to try to get rid of these loans ASAP. And I'm like, she does not even have her license yet. We need to make sure that that's all taken care of. And she has this job because I just heard she got hired by a nonprofit. So let's not worry about it.
2: Yep. Yeah. So no, absolutely. And you do you have oh, yeah. to educate people um, so that they so that they have the the information they need to make good decisions. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And in the I've had word enough- around. Oh, go ahead.
2: I I've had a
1: number of clients where the you know, one had student loans, one don't. Um and, and we have a conversation where they're, you know, they're dating uh and they the non student debt owning uh partner is asking questions and then within a week or two after that meeting, turns out they get engaged. So it was like the last uh checkbox along the along the way of whether or not they were gonna pursue it seems like sometimes wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I yeah. I mean I have a,
0: a client, he's a hospitalist, um physician uh, flight surgeon in the air force, um, you know, his fiance of so many years, you know, is in the military and an officer and they, because of his student loans, he, they have just will not get married just because Mm -hmm. of student loans. I mean, they've been together, have kids together, everything like that, but will not tie the knot because of that. So we made it a plan and it's moving forward thank you yeah goodness,
2: but, yeah i have yeah. you know counseled many bar- i've said to many borrowers you know that that my personal philosophy is that one should not allow their student loans to make their decision about whether to get married or not even if it is a financial hit to get married um but you know of course it's for everyone to decide um wow
0: yeah those are the trees i was talking about we remove the trees so they can actually see their life they can see the force they can see what is possible and they can move on with their life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yay. It's so good. I love this because i you know, I, I just feel like it's important what we're, that we're able to help people in a particular way. And, and, and then the people that we're able to help are able to go and, and help other people, you know, because of with their educations and not worry um, and spend mental energy that they don't need to spend on, you know, worrying about their student loans.
0: Yeah. And and being a guide along this path, especially during after the CARES Act, has been, I think, a huge resource for individuals uh, to just for us to be a sounding board because they're afraid something's going to go wrong or something has changed drastically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, you know, with PSLF and all that with Fed so it's it's been a, a journey. Yes,
2: well, fantastic. Yeah. And especially the way
1: that the, the servicers have botched the CARES Act in, in what's yes. supposed to be done that, you know, there's just been so much miscommunication to clients um, that they've really needed a lot of help through a period where there's enough stress going on as it is. The late, the last thing they need is stress trying to figure out their loan stuff when the servicers are, are making mistakes
0: uh, too. Or it, in that respect, even like with some making mistakes where you know, these individuals are say, Hey, low interest rates, let me get, you know, a mortgage or a new car for a car payment that but their loan servicer has misreported their loan status because it's all been botched and mm-hmm. changed in the last few yep. months. And their debt to income ratio is all over the place and it shows us, you know, a forbearance or yeah, something, like that. Know that, something like that. And not administrative forbearance.
2: That's really been an issue. And and I also feel like just the the pandemic itself has caused a lot of us to to start you know, focusing our attention on those things that we otherwise might have, you know, intended to do, but not done like, like getting on top of the student loans. Like I've had a a lot of sort of a surge of people saying, you know, I've been meaning to for a while, but now I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and get my money in order and get my student loans figured out because people realize, you know, that, that the future is uncertain um, and that, that bad things like pandemics do happen. And we, it does make sense to plan for the safety of yourself and your family, you know, long term.
0: And one benefit of dealing with a planner or financial advisor in general is, is that if indeed there is the option that they choose a 20 or 25 year plan after which, you know, it's projected they would have a tax, mm-hmm. then you can plan for the tax today. And thanks to the power, for, power of compounding interest and growth, you can save not as much today, you know, to have already that money budgeted for in yes. the future and then when the time comes it just pays the tax and you move on yep, with your and you're life good to go and it, and it was never really a burden because it was
2: all part yes, of yes i love it i love it chris you're a little bit of a nerd aren't no. you in a good way yeah
0: so, yeah <laughs> the, 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 i mean the plan is is everything because i don't like stress and anxiety and uh, i don't like seeing my clients with stress yeah. and anxiety um, I want them to trust the plan. No matter what happens, no matter what, don't try to put more to the loans than you have to put exactly this amount, for examples, and save this amount over here and then go take your work.
2: Yes. <laughs> here, here.
1: Uh, hey, Chris, Chris, yes. you and I have talked at length um, in, in the past about some of the work that your guys' firm has done with, um, analyzing the value of, you know, the long-term value of these clients and providing this sort of advice early on and how you can help them manage their finances and, and not just what it means to, to, the, to the client, but also what it means to your guys' practice. Can you uh, share a little bit about um, some of the work you guys have done with tracking some of the, the, the value to your practice, as well as the value to the clients?
0: Well, originally, we were tracking it for ourselves to uh, kind of just uh, track. We naturally have an interface through our corporate system that allows us to track our business in the book of business, and we could, were able to just tie specific clients, and I have a list of everyone, and we were kind of following the speed at which uh, people would decide to move forward and want to make a plan, or if people just said, okay, you know, thanks for the student loan, see you later, never talk to you again, or... The individuals who actually want to sit down and make sure do a more of a comprehensive plan. And then um, the corporate got involved and now they are pushing for more data. And so within our practice, we're doing a little bit more than I think we originally were going to do as far as just client building. Now we are doing more sort of institutional research to determine to what level we can do this and actually continue to build our clientele. It's, we're not basing it on necessarily, say, whether we have a risk side or an investment side of our business. We're not trying to base it on exact values, more just on the, the acquisition of clients because the 22-year-old could become the 50-year-old millionaire. You just don't know. So we're just doing everything we can to get people in the door, and because this is something that everyone seems to have, we are trying to add that value to all of our advisors.
1: That, that's great. And, and what are you guys finding with with the, you know, the demand out there for from you know, either professionals or a 22-year-old that, that when you guys do your speaking, are you finding that there's more engagement here than what you're seeing in other you know, topics that you talk about?
0: Actually, I found the
1: younger the individual is, the more
0: questions they have. Uh, the resident physician has fewer questions. They have some questions, but they have fewer questions than a 22-year-old recent undergraduate graduate. Because the resident physician feels as if their place is locked in, maybe they have confidence in their relative future income. Um, you know, whereas the recent undergraduate got their first job, they don't know where their career is going to take them. They may have a total career change and do the exact opposite of their major. Um, but they seem to have a lot of good questions. Their level of engagement is very high, and I would say they're probably the more pleasant to deal with because they are more likely to do exactly what you tell them to do
2: that's always nice that's one of the reasons I don't practice law very much anymore because you know it's not that easy to get clients to take your advice <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well you know a, a lot of times you know um residents are very busy for example attorneys very very busy so you have to catch them at the right time and and you have to yes. get to them you know when they're ready and so it yeah. really feels as if if they have a spouse, I've found that they're more likely to want to have a, a, a plan and will do pretty much every single thing that we tell them. And it, and it pretty much always works out. I mean, that this is the law we're dealing with. These are laws and things that the rules, as long as we follow the rules, it fits their perfect situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree that that, you know, be, being married, becoming married is is often a, a a trigger for people to want to really focus on their loans and and try as universities may to, to get some of the information to people earlier in the process. You're exactly right that you know people cannot hear uh, the messages until they are ready to receive them. And that is often um, post-graduation. So Chris, what would you say to other financial advisors that may be working with clients who have student loan debt um, but who have not worked through our uh, CSLP curriculum or who have who are you know working with um, less specialized information, um, what would you say to those folks?
0: I'd say get on and find a CSLP. even if you have build a short term relationship with that individual, compensate them a little bit uh, for their work, you will see the value immediately. If there are other CL- CSLPs out there who are very busy, And are great at talking the talk, but do not have time to do the analysis, find another CSLP to work with and partner with. I myself partner with three other CSLPs. I do all the analyses for them Mm -hmm. uh, because they just don't have time. They have the knowledge, and they ask me the good questions, and they even come back and argue with me against my analysis sometimes. But in the end, they know best, and they know the value that it provides.
2: And what would you... Find a CSLP. Yeah, you go ahead, Jen. Say it. (laughs)
1: And and similarly, what would you, yeah. so similarly what what would you what would you say to to borrowers you know these residents or or you know people that are just graduating that are looking for some sort of financial advice and not sure where to turn what would you tell them
0: most of the time i would tell them to i would say shop around but uh we have a very small market around here so there's i can't really tell them that, uh to do that here um I I would tell them to, first of all, avoid Google. And I would tell them that, especially medical residents, we're trained to be scientists and to be skeptical. So look for the bias. That's always the first thing you look in any medical research. And so if you're going to go to a website, for example, or read a book, the website will have ads on it. Well, who is advertising on that site? That will tell you everything that you need to know about that site and what maybe you should be listening to them about and what you shouldn't. And so most of the time I tell them to be skeptical, be skeptical of me. It's fine. Challenge me. I will have an answer. I'll tell you why, but the website won't.
2: Right. And often the advertisers on those websites are lenders and creditors of some sort who have products, um, debt products. Uh, and and debt typically does not uh, solve other debt. It is not uh, easy to borrow one's way out of debt. Uh, so. Um, Yeah. Well, what else would you like uh, listeners to to know, Chris, about you or about um, this work?
0: Well, I guess specifically in the work right now, there are a lot of startups out there right now that are trying to tackle this. And some of them have different motivations. Um, Everyone has to be able to keep the lights on and a roof over their head. Uh, So you have to make sure to look exactly what who with whom they're working, maybe what their specialty is. They can promise one thing, but their intent is another um, so, you know, just be weary, make sure that you shop around if you're going to try to use some sort of a vendor or, uh, one of these, uh, new startups,
2: not
1: an advisor.
0: That's good
2: advice. Yeah.
1: Well, Chris, you know, I, I just personally want to thank you for, for the time that we've spent together, you know, today, but also offline. We've talked quite a bit and, and just about the work that you guys are doing in your firm. Um, and the number of people you're helping we I just really want to thank you for for the passion and effort that you're putting in to to make the world a better place for all the student loan borrowers that are out there. yeah, and oh one last thing uh when
0: uh when you are applying for public service loan forgiveness, please make sure <laughs> to listen to what Heather says and make sure. That the penmanship is good. They will deny it because the date doesn't mm-hmm. look okay next to the signature. <laughs> yeah. I've had a couple of them denied due to penmanship, despite the fact that I've checked it over myself and faxed it wow. in for the client. So little things like that. It's every little detail. So they will true, observe. Chris.
2: So true. Preach, my brother. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Chris. So nice talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. I'm just delighted to make your acquaintance and you should feel free to reach out to me anytime. I would love to uh, uh, hear from you and be in touch.